Today is November 11th, and we have an interview for you with Michael, the Mike, Michael, the Mike, Michael King. Let's talk Yanks. The King. Hello and welcome to Talking Yanks. Thank you very much for joining us. Everything good? Uh, if you heard us laugh during the song, it's because I hit a ball out of Jake's hand and then it hit the camera on YouTube. It, you probably can see it happen. Um, what's going on? It's vacation week for us, Jake. You're in Arizona right now. I'm we're missing. What? We're missing. We're missing. Uh, we're recording this week early. Michael King. We just wrapped up an hour interview with him. Uh, delightful. One of our favorite interviews with the Yankee. It just really open and honest and the same answers he gives the media. We even talk about that. Like, Hey dude, you're really good at giving answers. And there's a story behind it. We found out Jim. So that was, that was kind of cool. That was a, everyone always asks us, um, you know, what are your favorite interviews? And this is genuinely on the list. Um, he, he was awesome. He, he opened it up. He's, he's a normal dude while also having basically a master's degree in pitching. So we got some really good baseball stuff. We got silly with it. We talked about a bunch of guys on the team. Uh, we talked about me a little bit. Not enough, IMO. Yeah, I don't think so. No. He actually seemed rather uninterested. In oh, that. my God. The one section, it was everyone was kind of like, oh, my God. Make it stop. Him and I both muted our... Headphones? Yeah. And then text each other. Like, You guys went double mute and text like, in like that 30-second period. Let's just guess what he's done. That <laughs> <laughs> was our guess. Got to be. Whatever he's saying is so dumb. <laughs> All right. Let's get to the interview. This one's brought to you by DraftKings. This Sunday will truly be a Sunday like no other. With this weekend's major golf tournament, along with both professional oh. and college football, there will be no shortage of action. Action. Mm. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook, wants to put you in the center of the action with so many different ways to make it rain. If you haven't tried the app yet, head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. To celebrate Sunday's action, DraftKings is ensuring all new users are covered up to $100. That's right. You bet. They cover with the risk-free Sunday betting on all Sunday's action. This weekend, there's plenty of action to get in on, so head to the App Store now to make it rain. Jake, name a golfer. Oh, my God. How about Sergio Garcia, the Spaniard? Bet on him. On top of those great sign-up offers, DraftKings will have oh. special promotions, odds boosts every day of this year's tournament in Augusta, Georgia. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure. I have to sneeze real soon. Making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code JOMBO when you sign up to get this can't-miss offer. DraftKings Sportsbook is ensuring your Sunday bets up to $100. That's right. You bet they cover up to $100 when you use promo code JOMBO during sign-up. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey only. Risk-free coverage paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. Mm. Guys, restrictions apply. Yeah. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Please. Baseball! We are joined by the unofficial 2019 ERA champion, Michael King. Mike, how you doing, brother? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, man. I don't know why they make pitching limits and stuff like that, because technically it's a zero on the scoreboard. So you <laughs> are the 2019 ERA champ, no? Yeah. I'm, the way I'm yeah. seeing it, yeah. You might be tied with someone else. But I guess I've I've never heard of that. But yeah, I'm 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 totally behind that. You know who he's tied with? Russell Martin. Yeah, he's also a 2019 <laughs> ERA tough. earned run champion. 
Yeah. You all know who was ripping me was Crafts uh, this year because coming into this year, he had like more innings than me, pitching, <laughs> a better ERA, everything, and he was just ripping me apart. So I finally eclipsed him in the innings count, but he still might have a better ERA. <laughs> did, did that start day day one of spring training, or when when did Kratz start laying into you? Um, yeah, because I, I think it, it was something like I was talking about my experiences last year and only getting – two innings of work and I was there for whatever it was eight games or something and he was like oh my god I blow you out of the water because he had like three <laughs> career innings coming into this year and all that kind of stuff so, so then and then when he actually got another inning he was like dude I'm catching ground with you again so he's a, a little ball buster that's funny man. I mean you cannot be the first person that he's used that on yeah Kratz has spent a no. lot of time with triple-a pitchers <laughs> he's probably <laughs> it's probably a long list of guys that Kratz has been like I've got more innings than you <laughs> oh yeah he uh he uses his lines a couple times so we let it slide but because he, he's getting old you know yeah senile. <laughs> let's see I'm looking at here Kratz has now he's got seven innings pitched with four earned runs, so you got him. Well, that's pretty good. Did you, when you passed him on, on innings pitch, did you give him a little, like, eh, see you later, old man? <laughs> Unfortunately not, but, yeah, I, I should have said he passed the baton over to me, but, uh, <laughs> no, nah, I, I wish I did. Send that text. That wasn't really what I was thinking of, you know? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> how, uh, how are you doing, man? How are you? You're chilling. You're, you're in the Northeast, and you're, you're heading down to Florida soon. What are you up to? Yeah, I uh, – so I actually continued to throw throughout October. Um, when I got option towards the end of this year, uh, I worked with Sam Breen, our pitching director. And uh, so he, he kind of gave me a couple things to like look at and either continue to do or uh, do more efficiently. And so the, the big thing was um, the fat, my command of my fastball was um, what I thought was fine. And I just thought the movement wasn't there. But when he kind of looked at from 2018 to 2020, the movement actually got better in 2018, except the command of it wasn't as good. So my average fastball uh, command was a half inch below the knees in 2018. And it was like four and a half inches above the knees in, in 2020. So he said, you're throwing the same sinker, except you're throwing it in the hitting zone. And now instead of those being ground balls, their line drives fly balls. And that, that's where you're coming into some problems. So, and for me, I don't know exactly what changed, but I felt like I was throwing at the bottom of the zone. And then I'd go back and look and see that I was four inches up or it'd be side high kind of thing. And I, I didn't realize that I was doing it in game. Um, and then I, I'd throw one that was what I thought was well below the zone called the strike. And I was like, oh, Higgy or Gary got that one for me, thinking that it was a ball below the zone. And I go look at it on video and it's right at the bottom of the zone. So I kind of just lost my sights for the, the bottom of the zone. Um, and so that was a big thing that we kind of hammered in a couple live BPs when I was um, down on the alternate site. And then when I got back up into uh, playoffs um, on that uh, DS roster. And I had that one outing. I just felt so much more confident where I could, I was kind of getting it down at the bottom of the zone. I got a bunch of ground balls and felt like I kind of got back to who I am as a pitcher. Um, I was getting quick outs and, and like those easy little rollovers on everybody. And um, so that gave me confidence going in. And then um, I wanted to kind of continue that confidence through October. So I continued to throw through a couple bullpens um, and then just really kind of focused on on those little tweaks that I was making. And now I feel confident going into a two-week shutdown, which I just started November 1st. Um, so then whatever, around November 15th, I'll get going again. Um, and because I only shut down for two weeks, it won't be a long kind of throwing progression. Um, and I'll be back kind of throwing bullpens mid-December um, and, and get a bunch under my belt before whenever spring training starts. Yeah. When you get your bullpen plan after the two weeks, can you – uh, share it with me because I'm uh, starting my bullpen sessions with Blitzball to strike out <laughs> Trevor Plouffe, and I just don't understand what a throwing session is. We're like working on a lot of. I stuff. talked with Pronating. Taylor. Yeah, I talked with Taylor yep. Hearn of the Rangers, and he was like, "Yeah, I only throw like 25 pitches." I was like, "That's hard because I don't feel like I'm good until the 30th pitch, and I blow my <laughs> arm out 30 to 40, and then I don't do a bullpen for it's been two weeks." Yeah. Because I hurt my arm. You're ready so I just go. need a throwing program. So just yeah. we'll be on the same Yeah, thing. you got to get on something consistent. Yeah. Yep. Yep. yeah. You I, said you felt good in the DS. You're one of the few pitchers that did not give up a home run to Randy Orozarena. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> I mean, what the hell? That guy's a freaking stud, huh? Oh, my God. Unreal. He didn't get out the whole, whole playoff. Um, and cr what's crazy is, like, we, when, he, when we first faced him, because I want to say it, was his, it wasn't his debut, but it might have been his 
first appearance this year um, with the Rays was against us in the regular season. And I remember seeing him in the lineup and I do a bunch of homework on all the hitters and I see a Rosarena and I'm like, who is this guy? Like, I've never, I've never heard that name before. And he was in the NL. So I didn't, I never like really paid attention to him on the Cardinals. And um, so we were thinking like uh, rookie kid, not going to be anything special. And all of a sudden he just erupts. Um, I obviously had a, had a pretty good season and then totally exploded in the, in the playoffs. Um, but yeah, when, when a guy gets hot like that, you almost kind of got to get lucky. So I got him on a curveball. I remember on a ground ball back to me. Um, but yeah, he, he kind of, he got it going. Make your own luck, man. That was, that was all you, <laughs> you got him, bro. Um, I, yep. I want to, and this was going to be one of Jimmy's questions coming in. And just that first question Damn. you answered about what you're working on. Steal my one question. You know what I'm saying? Go for it. Cause no, I mean, I after don't. the first no answer, you, <laughs> no, I was going to say you, you give awesome answers when in, in your press conferences and even that first question, I mean, talking about working on your sinker in the bottom of the zone, like we, we eat that stuff up. There's so many guys, uh, whether in baseball or I mean, even the Yankees organization that they kind of don't give real answers. Has that, like, has Zillow pulled you aside and be like, hey, hey, stop giving the real answers? Or, I mean, are you just you and you let it rip? Yeah, uh, I definitely like to let it rip. Um, and I, I don't know. I also, my dad was actually a, a news anchor. Um, and so he always talked to me about, like, having good interviewers. Um, huh. And he said it's really tough to interview a guy when he's giving you nothing on the on the other end. Um, so it's tough to make a story of it or just annoying to make that interview. So I feel like kind of from a young age having him um, – I guess coach me a little bit in, in every time I got interviewed, um, made me try to be a more likable interviewer, um, and, and make it easier for guys like you or, or whether it's like in a newspaper writing stories where I actually give them something to say. Um, so I've kind of had that. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, it's not like I'm giving away secrets because whatever team I'm going to be facing is going to have so many different analytical numbers on me and know how many times I use my slider and what location I throw them in all that kind of stuff. So, it's not like I'm trying to trick anybody by keeping it close to the, close to the chest. Um, and uh, yeah, so it, it's not like I, I'm, I don't know if I really have any secrets. I'm not telling you the scouting report that I'm going to have on certain guys, but, or like how I'm going to attack somebody. But if it's something that I'm trying to make a mechanical change or location change, that kind of thing, then I'm, I'm very open about it. Yeah. I mean, I remember you and Clark, both interviews were like a breath of fresh air. It's like, Oh my God, substance, <laughs> actual things that I can like hear and, and, and then see the next day, like you said something about, with your two seamer, you like throwing it for strike one, two lefties or something like that. But um, right, late, yeah. later in the at bat, if you go away, they'll just poke it to left. And then like the next time I watch you pitch, I think it was one of those practice games against the Mets. I was like, oh yeah, this is, you're putting it. Yep. Now I know. So it was, it was cool to actually get, you know, usually those interviews are nothing. So I appreciate it. <laughs> Any TV time I can get too, I'm going to take, you know? Yeah. I love it. What was your, what was pops doing? What was his lane as an anchor sports news, weather? Um, news, news. Yeah. So he, uh, him and my parents met up in upstate New York. Um, and honestly, I don't even know where, but then he got a job in Binghamton as like a weekend anchor. And then his first big job was, uh, in Minneapolis. And so I was born in upstate New York and then moved to Minneapolis um for four years and then he got a job in Providence as the head anchor there so that was kind of where we we moved all around a bunch but then his big line is HD killed his career because he just wasn't as pretty as the young guy that they hired instead of him um so <laughs> and, and then my mom was like we got two kids now I don't want to be moving these kids around all the time we're going to establish residency here in Rhode Island and you just got to figure it out so um he was an anchor I want to say until like 2005 ish and then uh, we've been, I've been living in Rhode Island since 99. So we've been just kind of kicking it since then. So how many of your friends from your childhood just load that you're on the Yankees? Cause I mean, Rhode Island, I mean, you're a Boston college guy too. I mean, it, you yep. just have to have a crew that's like any team, but. Yeah. And I, there are some, I mean, obviously my, my, my tight buddies are like now huge Yankee fans and they want the best for, uh, for me and, and obviously the Yankees. Um, but I still like the, I'd say the fringe friends are the ones that stay Red Sox fans. And they say, yeah, we'll root for you when you're pitching, but we want you guys to get killed every other time. Um, and like, even my dad, my dad grew up a diehard Red Sox fan and his big line that he tells everybody. So it's getting annoying. is blood's thicker than dirty water. So that's like his whole thing. So he, he, he now, he, he said that he wasn't going to convert to a Yankee fan until I got up to the big leagues. But uh, so I got traded in 2017 
and oh, yeah. the whole whole like 2018 <laughs> he was a diehard yankee fan so he's he changed really quickly that's funny It'd be funny if you waited it out even through like 19 <laughs> it's like I'm, just last game of the season i'm i'm still out <laughs> let's make sure you're yeah. i wanted to uh yeah. actually ask you about making your debut last year because i remember last year thinking oh that's got to be frustrating to Obviously, making your debut is awesome. Don't get me wrong. But, like, make your debut and then you don't get to do – like, there's zero chance you're going to get to another game because that's the last game of the mm-hmm. season, last series of the season. But now it seems like a pretty good blessing that you got to make your debut with fans and, like, somewhat oh, normal yeah. atmosphere instead of a 2020 debut. Yeah, it was getting a little tough last year because I was up there for eight days before I pitched. Um, so I was sitting there like, when the hell am I going to get in? Because it's been eight games and I'm – I don't know. I, I was sitting there like it might not even happen this year. And it's going to happen next year, but um, you're, you're totally right with uh, obviously having fan, fans was awesome. Um, gave me a little bit more adrenaline. Um, and then also it kind of gave me security coming into this year where like having the minor league season get canceled. If I didn't get put on 40 man or called up to the big leagues, I don't know what would have transpired coming into spring training or I guess really like summer camp of this year. Um, so it kind of gave me a little bit more security actually being able to play this year um and then yeah the the fans were it was it was tough there were a lot of times where I was out on the mound and almost like treating it like a spring training game or something where I I I had no adrenaline and I wasn't really like present in the moment and all of a sudden I got first and second no outs and I got whoever hit and I'm like this is I gotta lock in right now like this is this is a big league game and I'm sitting here with no adrenaline um and I think it works both ways because my, my first outing this year, um, I came in bases loaded, no outs in the second inning and didn't right. feel any pressure where normally if it's bases loaded, no outs in any stadium with a packed house going nuts, I'm probably going to get a little bit more nervous, a little bit more adrenaline, start throwing the, but like missing spots, that kind of thing. But because I had no pressure, it was just, all right, get out there, get a ground ball, get the next guy out. You can sacrifice the one run, but limit it. And that's what I did where, it kind of worked both ways um, for me, but I think I, I, I'm definitely, I'm not a type that gets really nervous. So I'd much rather have the over adrenaline and like over emotion. Cause I feel like I get, I'm best when I'm pissed off or angry or, or really, really into the game. Um, and uh, unfortunately that didn't happen this year. Um, or tough to like kind of muster that up, just like mentally kind of train my mind to get in that mood, even though, um, there wasn't really a, a situation that presented itself for me. Yeah. You like headphones in the bullpen, hardball style, just like listen to <laughs> when you call me big pop. You, you mentioned that yeah. you, you came to the Yankees via trade. Cashman had some quotes about that trade. I don't know if you remember or you're even aware because when you came over to the Yankees, did they put you in AAA? I mean, you were absolutely dominating. And Cashman, his quote is I pulled it up because I just remembered it. He said, uh, In fairness to the Marlins, what he has become is not what was traded. He has gotten better. They didn't trade that guy, what they had, and what he has become. He has jumped a category two. Do you agree with that assessment? Do you, did, was there a pivotal change, or do you think, uh, no, you were that guy, dude the whole time? Um, I think I was, but I needed uh, – I honestly needed some freedom. Um, and so with, with the Marlins, they need to kind of promote from within. So they, because they don't have the, the payroll to go out and buy mm-hmm. some big player. So they wanted to make sure that you checked off every box at every level before they moved you up. So I stayed in, in low A all of 2017. Um, and I felt there were some times where I felt like I, I could have had a, a chance of moving up to high A, um, but they wanted to make sure that I was ready. And then there were, there were certain pitching philosophies that the Marlins had um, that I, like, and my mechanics didn't agree with. So I'm very across my body with a lower slot run on my two seam and they wanted me to go all the way over to the third base side of the rubber. And so now if I'm on the third base side of the rubber, I'm stepping eight to 12 inches across my body with a lower slot. I'm throwing that ball from like behind a right-handed hitter. And so it was really tough for me to get command of both sides of the plate from over there. Um, all in college, I was on the first base side um, and everything. So then I, when I got trade over to the Yankees, they were like, we want you to do your own thing. And then if we have any, um, problems with what you're doing we'll step in and, and fix it and so they allowed me the freedom to go back to the first base side of the rubber I then got command of both sides of the plate um, and then it just kind of worked out where they moved the hot hand so I was hot through my first five starts at high a 
um, and they sent me up to double A and then I had like 11 starts in double A and they sent me up to triple A and it kind of, it was a little bit of luck because um, they had to make a spot in both double A and triple A for me to get up there. And it was, it was actually when uh, Hap got hand foot mouth disease and they sent Chance Adams up to fill in for him. So now they needed a starter in triple A. And then I just made the most of my opportunity because uh, when I would get called up, a lot of times they said like, you're actually only here for a spot start. You're going to go right back down. And then I had a decent outing and they're like, well, actually we might want to see this kid for another start. And then I had another good outing. So then I just kind of was able to stay there. Um, so it was a little bit of luck that way um, in that, like how, how many guys get hand foot mouth disease every year. Um, but it also that. was, uh, I kind of made the best of my opportunity, you know? Yeah. One, one in every hundred million Americans are stricken <laughs> down with hand foot. That was, that was nuts. Have you and Coney, crazy. have you had Coney ever chatted David Cohn? Uh, I, not because yeah, not like friendly. Oh, but not as in, like he's only, he's only <laughs> okay. like interviewed. Like professionally, only a fist fight, yeah, and then we went our yeah. separate you, ways. You, you guys, I mean, you've given a couple answers here that are just straight out of David Cohn's like personality. Like his whole book is about how in minor leagues, everyone tried to tell him how to pitch, and he just needed someone to be like exactly what the Yankees did with you and. Talking to the media, it seems like I don't know if you have the wild child side that Cone had. He's pretty crazy as a player, but uh, <laughs> probably not. I feel like you guys should touch base at some point. Link that up. Yeah, link it up. Link yeah. that up. How uh, how big are you peacocking in 2018? Because I mean, you know, go from the Marlins to the Yankees, and you know, it, 12th round pick, Boston College. I'm sure some scouts are hyping you. Some scouts aren't hyping you. And then you go. I mean, what one seven across three levels? One seven nine and you're back to your normal throwing motion. You're in the Yankees organization. I mean, you're tasting it a little bit, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I guess. Um, but it was one of those, like, I, I always just kept saying they're all minor league stats. Like, I, I won that uh, minor league pitcher of the year for the Yankees, and my mom like, thinks it's, like, the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> and I'm like, it's a minor league. No one's going to remember a minor league season. So, I like, that was the whole, like, I was trying to keep a chip on my shoulder and, and – stay motivated for what's next because um, like minor league numbers mean nothing if you're not going to produce in the big leagues. So I definitely had a, a little bit of a taste to myself, but, um, but I tried to stay humble and tried to try to continue to, um, to work towards the, like a big league goal. Um, and then it was tough because then I come into 19 hurt. Um, and so it was tough to like kind of build off that good year of 18. And I was working on some, some good stuff in, in, in 18 to really like get my slider down. Um, and so I took, I normally take about uh, – I, I used to take six weeks off in the offseason. Um, so that's what I did after 2018. Start my throwing program. Everything's feeling good. And it was right when I got to spring training. It was like my sixth bullpen of the year, something like that. Um, I started feeling my elbow. Um, and so then I had to shut down a month there. Started going again. And it still bothered me. So they shut me out for two months. And then I finally was okay. But having three months off and plus the six weeks kind of – put a shutdown to my momentum that I built in 2018. So um, it ended up being a, a longer battle to get back to kind of who I felt I was. And even coming in in 2020 spring training, I, I didn't feel confident in my stuff at all. Um, I was working on a slider and uh, totally changed it from 2018. Um, wanted a, a really horizontal slider and on like a Rapsodo and those numbers, it looked good, but I was manipulating the ball so differently than my fastball that every good hitter could see it right out of my hand. Um, so then in coming into spring training, I was really pitching with just a fastball because I had no command of my slider. And because I was working on my slider so much, I stopped working on my changeup. So I didn't have great feel for that. Um, so as much as like COVID sucks, and I, I wish it never happened. It kind of gave me an opportunity to reset. And then uh, coming into this year, I felt a lot more confident or coming into like the summer camp. I felt a lot more confident in all my pitches. Um, and, and it was just a, a, a little bit of command um, that I obviously needed to work on towards the end. And once I got that down, I, I feel I feel really confident coming into to next spring training. Did the did the Yankees do like exit interviews or anything like that? Did you sit down with Matt Blake or did you sit down with anyone? And did they did they do any year end stuff or? Not really. Um, we all stay in contact kind of throughout the whole season, and and it's a it's a known thing that we're all going to shut down um, early on. So. I haven't heard from Blake since the season, but I'm sure that'll that communication will pick back up. Um, uh, honestly, the locker room when we got bounced was uh, not a fun locker room to yeah. be in. So 
I mean, it's, it's just depressing. And then, and then you like, it's totally different than a minor league season. I, I really didn't think of this um, because at the end of a minor league season, guys are almost happy. It's like, it was a grind of a minor league season. Now I finally get to go home and it's not like you were getting paid much. So it's not like you're going to be missing a paycheck. And so guys were happy to go home. And for the most part, every single one of those guys is you're going to see them in spring training. So it's not like there's going to be, unless there's a, there's a couple trades, maybe a couple guys get released in, in the off season, but for the most part, everyone's coming back where we're leaving that locker room and you got po- guys possibly retiring guys, possibly getting traded. You got all the free agents that could not get signed back. So it's going to be a totally different team. And you're sitting there like, damn, this, this sucks right now. And we're obviously going after a world series. So it's that much worse. And, and we lose to our rival Rays. So it was like, it was like a combination of everything made it. So it really wasn't a, a fun locker room to be in, uh, like, obviously. But uh, so there wasn't m- many, like, words spoken. It was just a, a sad locker room, sad day, and then playing right home the next morning. Mm. Yeah. We were sad here, too. But if that it helps, we were also sad. <laughs> yes. We were also sad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Misery loves company, right? Oh, but, um, I, so then I guess uh, what – to you then, what are your kind of goals this offseason? Is it, is it working on secondary pitches? Is it, um, you know, I, I, your fastball is electric. I know you just mentioned you're trying to get it down a little bit more. I mean, is it, is, is it get that even better? What, what are your kind of goals going into this offseason? Yeah, um, so there, there are a couple things. Um, with my fastball, uh, this is something that I want to, uh, that I actually was kind of learning from Britain. Britain always talked about how his sinker was so much better when he didn't throw it as hard. He's like, he said, I felt like I had 97 in the tank, but when I was throwing at 97, it was flat. And that's when I started to get hit. Um, where when he sits at like 93 to 95, that's when he feels like he really has a depth to it and um, the ability to get all those ground balls that he gets. And my velocity went up this year um, a little bit. Like in 2000, I, I always go back to 2018. 18, my average fastball was like 91.7. And um, this year, my average fastball was like 93.7. So I was a good two miles an hour harder and wasn't getting the same ground ball rate that I was, uh, I was normally getting. Um, so I want to kind of see that. I want to look at the numbers between um, like a 91 mile an hour fastball and a 94 mile an hour fastball and see if the depth of one of them is uh, substantially higher than the other one, because that's obviously what I, I need for ground balls. Um, and then the other thing is I've been so focused on my slider in the past. Um, that and it, it's been a very tough pitch for me to get um I felt like I had a decent one in 2018 but it was really a, a pretty shitty one it's just I could command it well um and so because it was something different than my fastball and I commanded it well it worked but once I kept going up in levels my numbers on my slider weren't as good um so I think um and I, I did it in my in that last uh playoff outing changed it to a curveball because for me and my slot it was really tough for me to get a consistent um, release point just on the side of the ball, um, which is the slider and you get that horizontal to it where I know my fastball, I'm, I'm on the inside, my change if I get on the inside, but then throwing a slider that was right here was really tough for me. I either stayed behind it too much and it kind of backed up on me. It was a little spinny guy that got launched a lot or I got way around the side of it and it looked nothing like my fastball and was very um, distinguishable from for, for hitters so they could either lay off it or sit on it. Um, so for me, I then was trying to work on getting my fingers to the front of the ball, like a, a slider should be where I'll see if I can get it on, on screen. So instead of like me being right here, which is kind of cuttery or backup slider or me being out here, like a curveball, I, I struggled to get there, but I wanted to stay on the side of it and then get my fingers out in front and be able to kind of get that horizontal movement. And so the way for me to do that was to learn how to throw a curveball. Oh, there you go. We got a yeah. rock here. We got a pill. Yeah. I need, I need the blitz ball on the, on you though. Um, oh, we, got like, we got like 50 They now. are, you can't see it right now We've got these soundproofing things on our ceiling And there's a little angle Dumb guy stuff that you can throw it The right way and, and get bank it stuck off the up wall, there the ceiling and We have like 15 blitz balls On our ceiling right now um, <laughs> pr- Producer Big Baby David Just sprinted to go get one But we'll, we'll get one in a minute So, so for me the, Because the slider was a, a really Difficult position for my hand to get into um, and I started learning to throw a curveball just to feel my fingers in front of the ball. And then hopefully it got me to where I was throwing. A fl- there they nice. are. There we go. <laughs> um, so I was, and it was, this was actually, I was working with Harkey in the bullpen. He said, throw that curveball, get your fingers in front. 
And then once you get that feel for it, now go back to the slider grip and rip it. Um, and it still was a little inconsistent, but my curveball actually started to get more consistent. So I felt like because every time I was trying to throw my curveball, I was just trying to get my fingers as far in front of the ball as I could. Um, it made it a lot easier for me to consistently get there. Cause I was just saying, just get in front of the ball, get in front of the ball, instead of like a slider, stay behind, stay behind, stay behind and then rip. Um, and that was, that was tougher for me. So it developed into a curveball this year. Um, and I always called it a slider, but it was like on track, man, everything it, they listed it as a curveball. Um, and so then once I got optioned down and I was in that alternate site talking to Sam, it was a big thing. Like, yeah, I think the curveball is the way to go if you actually feel confident in it. And then I threw it up in, uh, in the playoffs for the first time in a real game where I was really trying to throw a curveball and got a Rosarain out. So I was nice. like, all right, maybe it's actually, <laughs> a, maybe it's actually a good pitch. So it's, that's going to be a, a, a main thing just to continue to kind of develop that. But for me, I felt like I just got away from my identity. So the big thing for me this offseason is getting back to getting quick outs, sinking at the bottom of the bottom of the zone. If I don't get up in the count 0-2, 1-2 like I'm trying to, it's just kind of throw that BP fastball, get a quick rollover, get to the next guy. Don't go after the punch out. Um, because I, that was my, my whole 2018. I prided myself on going deep into games. And, uh, and I always wanted to like – I wanted the bullpen to like me bullpen hates when a starter goes one inning and now they got to fill in eight. And so if I could go six, seven, eight innings every time out and the bullpen knows that they can kind of relax for the first, like that's how we feel. We felt in the bullpen this year with, with Cole Cole, you knew was going to go at least five innings and you could kind of chill there for the first four, because he's, even if he's not, not on his game, he's going to figure it out and get you at least five. So he's going to help the bullpen out. And that's an, another thing Cole was big on, like how many innings he had um, in 2019. So he, he just can eat up those innings, get deep in a game and save a bullpen. And um, that's been my whole identity, um, my whole life. And even in college, I, I felt like I wanted to go, I wanted to go CG every time. Um, obviously it's tougher with, with better hitters. Um, but as long as I can kind of get back to that instead of who I thought was, okay, I go to the bullpen. Now bullpen is just all, punch outs and walks and it's like if you can just punch out a bunch of guys it doesn't matter if you walk a couple it got me away from my identity and then I was trying to pitch to um, my weaknesses and, and trying to get into advantage counts and, and throw that slider that I didn't have great command of so I wasn't really convicting it well um, where when I get into my rhythm I can get to a 0-2-1-2 counts rip a slider rip a change up whatever it is and if I miss it's just all right get a ground ball get to the next guy and now it's I can go six, seven, eight innings in under a hundred pitches and it, it helps the team out that way. Saves the bullpen, saves the staff. And, uh, and, and so, and I think that will come from attacking the bottom of the zone with a, with a sinker um, where if I'm giving up a bunch of hits uh, on my sinker, then I can't, I can't be working quickly. You know, do you look at the expected stats at all? Cause like the expected stats on your sinker say you were, you just ran into a lot of bad luck. They all say, yeah, that- that you were pretty good. I mean, the, the, the slugging on your sinker was 517. The expected slugging was 369. And that's a big, <laughs> big jump. The batting average was 328. The expected was 250. Is that something that, that you look at and, and does that do anything for you mentally or, or do you avoid it or how do you look yeah. at those stats? Yeah, that was another thing that um, when I talked to Sam Breen about it, um, he said, you've honestly been one of the most unlucky pitchers in the big league. So I don't want you to lose confidence. The thing is, for me, and like you're saying, I give up a lot of soft contact hits um, in that I'd give up like a 70-mile-an-hour exit velocity, but it had a launch angle of like 30, which means it's soft enough to drop in front of an outfielder, but hard enough to get over an infielder's head. And the only times that I've ever done that in my life or that I've realized I've done that in my life or given those up is when I'm up in the zone. And it's because I can kind of – because I have, I have some run on my fastball, so I'm hopefully going to miss barrels. So I'm getting it in on a, on a fist of a righty or off the end of a bat of a lefty. But if I don't have the depth of it, then it's not ground ball. And so that's my whole philosophy was I was thinking I didn't have the depth on my fastball. And I, they were just staying on the bat path, but just getting off the end of the bat and we contact. And then it wasn't until Sam said, you got to get the ball down because now if that's below the zone, those are ground balls in, and, and 70 mile an hour ground balls are out every time. Um, but those 70 mile an hour little bloopers will find. And that I remember talking to Ottavino about it. And Otto was like, if you look at the expected batting average off of like a 70 mile an hour exit velocity with a 30 degree launch angle, the expected batting average is like 
850 because it's in that perfect zone. And he's like, you think it's the expected batting average should, should be nothing because it's a 70 mile an hour, mile an hour exit velocity. Um, but I, I know I got the, the big line is like BABIFT or whatever balls, batting average on balls in play. Yeah. Um, I got BABIFT to death, but it's still one of those where I shouldn't allow a hitter to do that to me because I'm also missing my spot. So as much as someone would tell me like, yeah, you got kind of got unlucky. When I go look at the actual um, result of the pitch, it was, it was nowhere close to the, the spot that I wanted it to be. Um, so that's where, yeah, I'm getting unlucky in that sense, but I also created my bad luck by not throwing the ball in the right zone. It's a good spin on it. I'm just going to say you got unlucky. Yeah. <laughs> right, I like your mindset. But at the same time, I mean, we scratch the surface of analytics. I mean, we, we, we do a lot of fart jokes too, but we, we, try, we try to be as all-encompassing as we can be, and it's refreshing to hear that because uh, you do have to appreciate what the stats are saying. And, yes, you know, some people would say, yeah, 70, 70 miles per hour off the bat, tough luck. But if people are hitting it that way, and that's where sometimes we get – I wouldn't say frustrated with Gary, but I feel like Gary Sanchez on the hitting side, it's almost different. Like Gary hits these lasers to left field, but the left fielder plays him at the warning track to the point where it's like, that's not really they, they kind of played you that way. Like that was kind of their plan to a little bit. So it's this weird, I think it's going to be for kind Babbitt, of the next for, step of analytics yeah. that. But you and you and Gary could be called the Babbitt battery. That's kind of cool. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> but yeah, and that, and that's where like it's it's that's where I I like the analytics coming into the game. Um so if if I'm the pitcher to Gary Sanchez and we're playing him to left field, the thing that's tough about that is now with the pitcher, you kind of have to pitch into his strength. Mm-hmm. You have to say, We're fine with you hitting a rocket to left field because we're gonna have a guy there to catch it. But in the mere chance that he gets under that ball a little bit, now it's a 500 foot home run. Right. So it's that, and that's where like all pitchers have battles with the shifts and everything, because you only notice the shift when it gets beat, when it, someone's playing up the middle and a rocket hit up the middle and it gets caught, you don't think like, Oh, thank God the shift is there. But when a soft ground ball is hit to a shortstop and the shortstop's not there, you're like, what the hell? Why, why are we shifting kind of thing? So that's a constant battle that all pitchers have had in, in this new wave. Um, but for the the big thing that I like doing is having my own approach against hitters as much as the analytics will say he'll hit the, hit the ball here, or he's expected to hit a buck 20 off your slider. If that's all I know on a hitter and I go up there and my slider sucks that day, now I have no idea what to do against him. So that's where guys will do their own homework. And I, I love doing my own homework on hitters because if I know that my slider sucks, I'm going to know your, your, first hole in your swing your second and third hole where if my if your first hole is a pitch that I don't have or uh, even if it's just that day or just in my repertoire in general I'm obviously not going to throw it there because it's now kind of my weakness to your weakness which you're going to have the advantage of so by me knowing kind of how to exploit hitters in multiple ways and I think I had to learn that as a starter because uh, you can't do the exact same sequence to guys three times in a row you have to know I don't know. And, and, and then there's certain things where um, some hitters, it, you can exploit a hole in their second and third at bat based on what they do in their first. So sometimes I, I love, I love not shifting early in the game to kind of set up a shift later in the game where I know that if, uh, if a hitter sees that I'm going to attack him hard in, hard in, hard in, and we're shifting him straight up in his first at bat, he's like, all right, well now I can pull the ball on this guy because they only got two infielders on the left side of the infield and he's been pounding me in. And then in his next at bat, we go full shift over, and I'm still able to pound him in. Then it, it opens up um, a lot more opportunities for a successful shift. Um, and that was something that I kind of learned with with Jay Bell. Jay Bell was my Double A manager in '18, um, middle infielder playing in his day. So he kind of he understood that kind of thing. So I loved having that kind of um, communication. And, and it, that it's tough for me as a rookie to come in and be like. Hey, let's not shift him this at bat. But like, let's, like I didn't want to be that guy. Hey, Lemayhew, you know? stay there. <laughs> <laughs> there. There were there were a couple of times because I was talking to Adovino about it. One of my outings, um, there were like four four hole singles, and it wasn't just like normal four hole singles. It was we would shift a second baseman over the middle against a righty, and because my strength was throwing that glove side sinker to righties, and now it's in their scouting reports like, hey, he's going to attack you away later in the at bat, 
And so I started seeing a bunch of hitters like sink opposite field and just hit these weak ground balls in the four hole. And we had nobody over there. And so I ended up going, I, I said it to, I, it was actually Wade at the time. I don't know if DJ was playing third or if he had an off day or something, but I said to Wade, I was like, Hey, if I get to two strikes on this guy, I'm pounding him away. I need you to be over at second base. If I miss middle and he hits the ball up the, uh, up the, up the middle, that's my fault. So I was like, just, just keep creeping back to second base. And it was really Otto was the one that, that helped me out. Otto has been, been big for me. Um, and kind of my, my development. We're, we're very similar. He went to Northeastern. I went to BC. Yeah. Uh, we had like similar mechanics across our body, both sinker slider guys. Like we, we, we just had, we had some similarities. So I, I kind of stayed in his back pocket the whole season. It was just kind of learn as much as I could from him. And then when he had those little, little tips for me, I, and, and then it's a, a guy like Wade where he, he's not as established as DJ and I played minor league baseball with him. So I got a really good relationship with him. I get over there. Like, hey, yeah. Get, get over there. <laughs> yeah, waiter. Yeah. <laughs> Help me out a little bit. <laughs> that's, that's funny. Yeah. You, I, you and Otto, we, we had Otto on and he, he started talking. And again, like we, uh, pre COVID, we got this office by the stadium where our plan was like, yeah, dudes will come over before games. Dudes will come, maybe even after a big game. Yeah, let's go. COVID <laughs> happens. Like nobody's coming here. Um, <laughs> yeah. So luckily we started to do this and it's worked out. And so we have Otto on and he starts talking pitching and it's really cool. I mean, you know, better than us, but he starts going into some real stuff and we're like, yeah, let's go. And then he started talking about his own stuff. He's like, yeah, you know, when I struggle, I, oftentimes I get in my own head and I start laboring and we were like, Whoa, like I, that's kind of cool that you can openly talk about that. I mean, is he, is he kind of your, your, like, you mentioned that you guys pitch similar. He's your go-to pitching yeah. guy. Yeah. So he, uh, I've been saying, obviously you guys met him. He, when I first met him uh, in spring training of 2019, he seemed to be like more of an introvert. And I was like, ah, I tried like kind of, cause I was just <laughs> talking about Northeastern, that kind of thing. I was like, ah, I tried whatever. And then it wasn't until this spring training that, we became tight and um he's now i keep saying it outside of like my family he's probably a top five person i've ever met in my life he's so good to the rookies um and so good to me and i also felt like i especially in season once this, once our game ends or before game all that kind of stuff i'm watching video i'm watching video on all haters and i love doing it and if some people are like how the hell do you keep watching baseball when you just you're playing a full season like you don't want to get away from it when you get home and I've just never felt that way. And Otto kind of said the same thing. So now we're, we're similar in how much video we watch. And, and then I started noticing that he wasn't just watching video on like the teams that we were facing. He was watching video all around the league. And he'd come in with like, oh, did you see this guy pitch for the Cubs? Oh, did you see this guy? Like, did you see this pitch this, like to this batter or whatever? And I'm like, how do you have enough? He's got two daughters and he's watching all, these, uh, all of our games that we're like the teams that we're playing. And he's watching teams around the MLB. So I finally found someone that watches more baseball than I do. And so it, it ended up kind of starting a conversation that way. And because like we're sitting in the bullpen and now we can, because we're going to attack a hitter very similarly, we then can say, okay, I see this in his swing. Um, I know I want to exploit that. Or I see like, I, I was able to get this guy this way and he's not a cerebral hitter. So he's not going to adjust his approach. If you want to face him, if you want to attack him the exact same way, he's going to do it. Or you face a guy like JD Martinez and he's a very cerebral hitter. And he knows that Otto and I are similar. So if Otto attacks him one way, I kind of have to do something different, especially if we're going to come in after each other. So we would have those conversations in the bullpen the whole time. And then it was like one of the coolest things was on the plane ride home after we got bounced, he sat right in front of me. And it was one of the like cool – him and DJ LeMahieu played chess on the, right in front yes. of me. And I was like, two, two friggin' nerds. All they want to do is play chess on the, bus ride, on, the, on the plane ride home. But since they were sitting right in front of me, I was talking to Otto a bunch. And he was like, I need you in this offseason, and you need me in this offseason. Let's come back and let's dominate. Yes, so you I, two and me, and we'll all blitz ball, <laughs> and we'll go to Otto's little Dunkin' Donuts, whatever he has in the city. It was it Chuck E. Cheese? So he, he bought some. I think, yeah. I think it was a yeah, Chuck E. Like cheese a, he bought and turned Chuck into cheese. a pitching yeah. thing. So, yeah. Yeah. Just yeah, the three of us pitching. Yeah, okay. figuring yeah. it out. Yeah. yeah, going over yeah. release so points, we, uh, hooking in, and all that stuff. <laughs> So that was like a, a cool thing for me. And, and, and I thought he was just kind of like saying it not really have throughout the whole playoffs. He'd be like, you see that pitch to so-and-so like that, that, that was a terrible sequence or, or like this guy, you have to attack him this way. And I'm just sitting there like, I don't know, watching baseball and all of a sudden just getting texts from, from my new best friend, Adam Adovino. Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. Man. Is there anyone that you and Otto would like, if they walked into the conversation and you guys were deep in it 
and then like a pitcher. You don't yeah, have to who's got a but who would be like, like, oh my oh, god, geez. I can like there, you lost. I will say there are a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There, there are a lot. Um, especially if we're not in game. If we're like sitting in the bullpen and we're able to like see a couple things and that kind of, a, a lot of guys because they're they're all locked in on the game, they want to know. They want to know like, oh, this is where Otto and King say his, his hole is. So um if we're in a baseball setting, there they'll be in. Cole's another one that can yeah. get way over your head. Do the hitters um, ever try to get involved and you're like, no, 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 no. We're um, the pitchers. Honestly, I would I would I would much rather welcome a hitter because there there are certain things that I like to ask. Um, DJ's the best one to go to because I, I mean his like Gardner was another one that's so good where they can just see differences in especially mechanics and release points and that and that kind of thing um, where they're trying to get little tips on pitchers. Um, but like a DJ, a Judge, I loved like Judge would stand in on a couple of my bullpens, especially when he was coming back from being injured. He wanted to see some pitching. And so he would stand in and I was actually able to like pick his brain and be like, Hey, I'm working on this slider, but I need to come out of the same slot as my fastball. I want to stay on the same plane as my fastball as long as possible. So if you're able, because a lot of hitters, especially if they're tracking, they'll just be watching, watch, watch it. And they'll either say yes or no. And whether it's subconsciously or out loud, they'll be like, yep. And that means they're swinging at it. And if I can get a lot of hitters to say, yep. And my ball finishes outside the zone, I know it's a, it's a good pitch and staying on playing a lot. And so that was a, a good conversation that I could have with Judge. I did it a couple times in, in actual spring training and then a couple times when he was coming back from injury this year um, where I was able to say, like, all right, these are the things I'm working on. Look for them, but also, like, help yourself out. I don't want you to just totally do it for me. Um, and so th that's where – and that's coming to this point. This locker room was the best locker room I've ever been in. And, I, like, I'm sure you guys have been in locker rooms before where – there's always like one or two guys that like no one gets along with. And they're like, yeah, they're kind of the weirdo. They, they, it's just how it is. Cause you got 30 guys in a row. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> well, so. like you got 30 guys on, <laughs> on a team and you're not going to get along with everybody. That's just, that's just how life works. But this was the first team that I've been on where there wasn't a single person that I was like, wow, I can't stand this guy. Every single guy was great to me was like fun to be around. They added something to the locker room. And that's why I was like, this is going to be the a team that, that goes far, whether it's just this year or in years to come, because they kind of built a chemistry of the players that made it. So I could, I could, I, I wasn't afraid going up to an Aaron judge as a rookie and be like, Hey, will you help me out and, and look for this kind of stuff or talk to Ottavino who's got 10 years of service time. He, he looked at me like a teammate instead of like, all right, rookie, like you, you got to do your time and then you can come talk to me. Like they all, like Garrett Cole would stand next to me and Nick Nelson in the, in the outfield when we're shagging VP. And we're like, why the hell is Garrett Cole talking to me and Nick Nelson? Like we got a combined half year of service time <laughs> and Garrett Cole's up here making 300 plus million and giving us the time of day. Like it, it was, it, it was an awesome atmosphere in that locker room. And I can't wait to get back in it next year. Cause I, I know the team can, can do some stuff, do some damage. Yeah. That's awesome. <clears throat> awesome here. CC used to always talk about the clubhouse. And I think some of those Colorado guys uh, had a pretty, bad clubhouse uh when they were mm. coming up which is why you say Adovino so nice to the rookies and Canely so nice to the rookies there's some stories from those times that are like Ugh. oh yeah yeah, yep, yep. <laughs> yeah. and, and I, I think that's like kind of the new wave of baseball where it definitely used to be in the past like if you were and because I was told a lot when I was early in the minor leaguers especially it was from guys that have retired they'd say like and your first big league spring training don't say a word to anybody get there early don't be in their way. If someone walks in the training room, that's a big time guy, get out immediately. Like, don't be taking up their time. And I, so I was almost scared going into spring training being like, am I just not supposed to do anything of my own? Like, I, I got to stay away from all these guys. And it was like, right out of the gate, CC's coming up to me saying hi, judge coming up to me saying hi. And like, they make me, made me feel welcome. And there was nothing like a, like you're a rookie. You have to like know your role on this team. And that, that, that was honestly like a, a great, surprise to me and that's why I felt like I, I fit in well and everybody fit in well that was on the team it's like we we definitely had some because Nick Nelson's like a, a southern boy like got, got his accent all that kind of stuff and I'm like north northeast boy like I try to pitch very intellectually where he just overpowers everybody so we're totally different and we both sit there talking to Cole or Ottavino or whatever and they're relating to both of us in whatever way we need it to be even though we're so different it's not like only pitchers that uh, do the same thing stay together or hitters stay together it's like Voight's like best friends with Jonathan Holder and so it's, it's like we got 
it's not like a, a divide at all in the locker room. It's it's, it's honestly really, really cool. And I, I really don't think that it's like that in any other locker room in, in the big leagues. And um, just because I've been in however many locker rooms I, throughout my life and have never seen it either. It's really cool. Yeah, it's really cool. And it's really important. I mean, we, we do a lot of stuff with Trevor Plouffe and he kind of opened up our eyes a little bit because you, you know, you always hope that on, on your teams and stuff, mm-hmm. but it's not often there. And you mentioned some of the backgrounds, but you know, I, he, he mentioned like a lot of the teams normally have like a Latin click and like, that makes mm-hmm. sense though. I mean, those guys grew up in a different part of the world. Like they naturally going to gravitate to each other and you need the guys that are going to connect the dots and, you know, bring the team together. So that's, and a lot of the leaders, I mean, you mentioned judge and CC, Guardy. I think that gets passed down through the years and we, we appreciate that. And it's, it's good to hear. Yeah. I've seen, I've definitely seen those, like the, the Latin clicks you're talking about, especially in the minor league, but it all, it all comes from like the language barrier yeah. because, yeah. and especially when you're in the minor leagues, they're so young that they haven't learned English yet where like Glaber speaks perfect English. Severino speaks perfect English. Sessa speaks perfect English. So now we're in this locker room and we're still able to communicate with everybody where, yeah, if Severino didn't speak a lick of English, it would be total Latin click where I could never talk to him. And um, because they know English so well, it makes it so there's no barrier at all. Crash translate for everyone. Doesn't he speak Spanish? <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he tries to, he, he tries to speak Japanese to Tanaka too. And it's just, that's just crap. But oh yeah, he was joking about it because this year he finally got into free agency. He finally got a six years of service time. And he was like, talking to Cashman about extending a qualifying offer to him. And all that stuff. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm pretty sure you, you're going to give me 18 million. So I'll have to worry about that. And so, I don't know. He, he's such a good dude. We in the get, room yeah. We got, I want to get him on the show. Cause I think it'd be a lot of fun. Awesome. Oh, he's, he's been around all of his experience. Yeah. With all of his experience, he has so many like hilarious stories that are just, he, he's definitely a good interview. What, uh, I mean, all the baseball stuff's great, but what what else is my king about? Are you are you a gamer? What are what are you doing on the flights? What are what are you Netflixing? Like, who's who's my king? <laughs> uh, I love golf. Golf, yes. like a, a big thing. So it was tough this season because we weren't able to golf at all. But since I've been home, I've been trying to golf a lot. Um, Good golf uh, or bad golf? golf? Is, uh, I I'd say better than bad. Okay. But, uh, my my dad my dad went to a college play played uh golf at southern cal uh usc oh um so he he's been like a scratch for a while so now he's getting older he's he's up there um like he, he just lost a bunch of distance but so he he's taught me from a young age um and so i've been playing since i was younger so i i can compete but okay. like hicksy's like a scratch so yeah. I, I i probably couldn't be with him what's um, the club you're most confident with Ooh. um honestly my driver my driver's okay. probably my 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 best um right now i just got that there, shout out to Taylor Made Sim, um, yeah. and it's like the best club, best club I've ever had. So, I love it. Um, but, I mean, I got a I got a golf trip that I'm going with uh, some of my buddies I lived with in spring training um, down to uh, South Carolina in a week. So that, that's also kind of why I pushed my shutdown period because I didn't want to build back up and have to shut down for the week when I'm golfing. Um, so once I come home from that, that's when I'll start throwing. But um, yeah, I got I got uh, some golf trips coming up, and then that's what I kind of base my off season around. Like once I'm down in Florida and having good weather, I go lift and then I go right to the golf course, but I got into gaming a little bit. I've never really got into COD, but I was in, I was Fortnite in a lot. I always thought I was pretty good at Fortnite and then it just got, I got kind of bored of it. So I haven't gamed since then. Um, But at the time I I bought myself one of those like portable gaming stations and a headset and all all like the the cool stuff. Um, But yeah, I mean, for the most part, I, I like, watching video on baseball and playing golf. <laughs> That's all I do. <laughs> That's uh, oh. I mean, I don't want to hit on you too hard, but yeah, I'm literally, I'm going to Arizona this, this next week and playing golf and was planning on laying next to a pool, but apparently Arizona gets cold too. So um, <laughs> yeah, man, the Fortnite thing was tough. Cause I, I gamed and then you get a little older and it's tough, but like, I don't I'm not good at killing people. So like I was the guy I was bushing around it. It got ugly. Like my, my friends were bullying me. Yes. That's, yeah. Oh, it was low. That's it was it. bad. Yeah. yeah. 
I didn't like that's not the, that's not that's not someone I would want to play with. No, 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 no. And I that's again a, a part of my life. Story. One of our first interviews, you told like a player that, and he just made fun of you. Oh yeah, no, it was pathetic. I went through a really <laughs> sad stage with Fortnite where I dude, I would get to the final three and I'd have like half a kill, and I'd be like, yeah, let's go, baby. And people were like, are you even oh, having no. fun? I was like, no, I just got involved, <laughs> and it happened. So yeah, yeah. A right, couple quick hitters for you. You warm up to a song written and recorded by your sister? Yep. Uh, that she wrote for you as a – she's a professional uh, musician, singer, yeah. songwriter? She's, she's definitely the most famous one in our family. Um, we we kind of compete about that all the time. But she's got like 100-plus thousand followers on Instagram, so I can't really compete with that. But We'll get you. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she, uh, she's been singing for, for a while. Um, and since she's two years older than me, she's 27. Um, but when I was in, I want to say it was going into my, yeah, it was going into my junior year. It was Christmas going into my junior year of college. I used to always say like, Liv, you gotta, you gotta write me a walkout because I would always have trouble figuring out what my walkout's going to be, what, whatever. And uh, so I would always joke about it, not thinking that she'd actually, actually act on it. And then Christmas, my junior year, she, that's like her, her present for me. And it was like the TV was draped with a blanket and she pulls over the TV and it's like a YouTube video up and she put out a music video for it um, where she wrote it, produced it, and then uh, got a rapper to rap like the, the verses to it. And she's just like the, the chorus of it. Um, but yeah, it's called like messing with the King. Um, and it's all about me and pitching and, and that kind of stuff. And I was originally thinking like, Oh geez, this could be kind of weird. And then I'd feel bad if I didn't like it because now I can't use it. And it's my sister's song. Like I don't want to use it. And it's like one of the best songs I've ever heard in my, like in my life. And every time one of my teammates hears it for the first time, they're like, that is awesome. And it just happened in, uh, in playoffs where judge was out in right field and I get called into the game and they play it because we're technically the home team, even though we're in San Diego and uh, they play it. And judge was like, I was just sitting out in the outfield, just kind of like minding my own business. And then the song comes on, I was bobbing to it a little bit. And then all the lyrics are like about a King, on his mound like pitching and like all, all this stuff and judge is like how the hell did he find a song like that so he comes in and asks me about it and i was like no it's actually my sister so it was like it, it's been cool because then it opens that up where i'm trying to like help her get more followers and yeah. it, it sucked this year because yankee stadium had no fans but i was like if i could be playing that with seventy thousand fans at yankee stadium and there are seventy thousand people that are listening to it like oh maybe i should go look to see what song this is because it's cool it, it's uh I don't know. We're trying to like help each other out, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. Tanaka warms up to his wife's song. Yep. So now we've got yep. two Yankees warming up to relative song. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Relative. Like family member. Yeah. Family. Family. Is your wife? Family your wife's not your relative. No. No. Well. I would get, well oh, it could be. Not normally. Yeah. <laughs> not recommended. I. So she got you that for Christmas. What'd you get her that Christmas? Because that's kind of oh pressure God. packed. Sign baseball. Yeah. A, a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> a microphone with like a baseball. Oh, we're top. doing gifts. <laughs> oh. <laughs> she's she's really good about making like sentimental gifts. So she always gets like my mom and dad really good presents, and I'm sitting there like, oh yeah, here's a whatever. Here's a signed baseball, like yeah. you said. So. She, she's really good with the gift giving. So she, she definitely has that on me as well. Yeah, just throw some pitches in her honor. And just kind of, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This one's called the Olivia. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> uh, the other thing I had when you first joined us, we told you I was, I was pretty deep in research. Yeah. So yep. I was trying to find your path to becoming the king of kings in baseball. There's been a lot of guys with the last name King. Uh, you are currently – you have 27 strikeouts to your name, which puts you sixth all time Six. for Kings. So here's That's your path. The, yep. You have to first, you have to beat Curtis King. He's done. He's got a classic 90s pitcher goatee. Go, go um, <laughs> he's got 42. You'll eclipse him yeah, next, next year, season. Yep, you got yep. him. Uh, then you have to pass Nelly King. He was 6'6. Six, six, and looks like DJ if he lost a 200 pounds um, from the 50s. He's got 72. I think you'll get him All too. Right. Yeah. It does get tough. Clyde King, uh, he pitched in the 50s as well. He's got 150. So we can get yeah, there. Good year. Done. Eric King, 
Uh, he has, where is it? 459. So now we're looking at like so a, that's a big jump. We're yeah. looking at a seven year career with, with some solid, but he was, uh, he was not a strikeout pitcher. No, yeah, seven yeah. years and he only had four hundred fifty-one innings, fifty-nine Ks one year. So yeah, he yeah. was not a strikeout. But what year was that? In? Eric King was eighty-six to ninety-two. Hmm. So decent. Was he a starter? Player. Yeah, he was he a starter. Uh, besides one year. All right. So the big, the king of kings currently is Ray King. His nickname was Burger. He's a thick reliever. I remember Ray King. Yeah, thick reliever. His neck's the same size as his face, basically. And he's he's got no two seventy eight. Okay, so these so in the he's wrong. Not the king of kings. Not the Burger king of kings. Just got out. Burger's out. Hey, it's hey. Uh, Eric. Eric at four fifty. Four fifty nine. So you just gotta. That's your path to king of kings. All right, that'll be number one on my goals. Once I hit that, <laughs> then I'll, I'll make sure I, I keep that ball. And yes. Say, yes. Yeah, yeah, King yeah. of Kings, 460. 460, out. yeah. King of Kings. So you can imagine, I look over at Jimmy's computer. I'm like, hey, what you looking at there, bud? <laughs> it's just all the king pitchers that have pitched in baseball. Yeah. So analytic, heavy analytics. That's Jimmy Lytics. Yeah. That's, yeah, okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll get you the King of Kings. There's one guy named Chick King that played baseball, which I, I just don't know if you can beat that name. Chick King. <laughs> nope. so the Chick no. King. Yep. Get it? Back no? in the day, yeah, 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 yeah. Twenty twenty, yeah, I don't know. Little Playboy action. Yeah. yeah. Right, I think that's all. The only other question I had was going to be like, when uh, spring was happening in summer camp, and Davey and and Clark are getting all this hype on Twitter and everywhere. Are you sitting there like, guys? <laughs> don't you remember twenty eighteen? Don't you know who's going to be on the opening day roster? Look at that fastball. What the fuck? Uh, no, nah. I mean, uh, Dave, Davey was one that, cause I met him, I think it was 2019 when I first met him, um, and, and Clark was 2019 really, but I like would see Davey's numbers and be like, Oh my God, this guy punches out everybody. But I had no idea who he was as a kid. And then when I first was on it, like when I was on the same team as him, uh, in triple A in 19, he couldn't have been like a nicer kid in the world. So I was like, all right, I understand the hype now and want to give him the hype because of how good of a kid he is. And then with Clark, again, didn't know him at all. The only, and this is actually kind of a funny story, so I hope he hears this. Um, one of my buddies who went to URI, I played high school ball with him and everything, and he was drafted by the Yankees, this kid Chris Hess. He, uh, he's moved on from, from baseball. He got, got released a couple of years ago, but he faced Clark in uh, college and was like, Clark's nothing big. Like, he was easy to hit in college, like all this stuff. He's like, I don't know what the hype is about him kind of thing. And then – Clark has this huge year and I finally first meet him in 2019 and see him pitch live. And I'm like, what the hell was that talking about? <laughs> yeah. Like this kid's a stud. And at, at the time when I saw him pitch, it was actually in playoffs in double A. And um, he was like 96 to 98 with his banger curveball. And I'm like, okay, this kid, this kid's a stud. Um, but to your point, no, I mean that I had, I had my time in 18 and they can have theirs theirs now. Um, but uh, it's, it, it, I mean, it's always fun with like rookies coming up and now you actually have like friends when you're there and you don't have to like go into a brand new locker room. So it was nice like having them come in and even if they don't know many people, they immediately are like my friend and then I can kind of introduce them to everybody else. Um, but I mean, it, it's, it's good to have a bunch of young pitchers, especially when you're paying one starter, 300, however yeah. many million. So now it's like, you're going to need some, some young pitchers to make up for the lack of payroll. even though Yankees probably don't have a lack of payroll, but it's always big for a team to you can go out and buy great players, great relievers, a couple good starters, but you can't buy five good starters because you're just not going to have enough money. So um, one of us or even two of us are going to have to step up um, next year and, and in the years coming, um, because if we can kind of produce that at big league minimum or whatever we are at arbitration, um, it really helps a, a club out. And that kind of is like a recipe for success for a pitching staff. You can have your, your big one, two punch three, even three guys. And then, have a rookie that pitches really well. And that's where like, I feel like the Braves are in such a good situation because all yeah. their guys got like went down and then their, their rookies really step up where now you're not spending a bunch of payroll on your rookies and you're able to go out and buy someone bigger in, in a hole that you guys have in, in your, on your roster. So yeah. um, we're all, and obviously like, because it's such a good locker room, there's no like competition between us. It's just, we got to go out there and, and win a world series. So if, 
Davey's the hot hand. Davey's going to go out there and get as many starts as he can and pitch dominant baseball. Then we're all extremely happy for that. And, and it, it, again, as, as being in the bullpen, it helps us out in the bullpen when he's going six innings, you know? Yeah. Davey's, Davey's presence on the mound is pretty fun too. Uh, oh, it's awesome. Peacock. As like a little like 5'8", 5'9", yeah. guy out there and his hair flying. It, 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 he's, and then he comes in the locker room and he's such like a sweet, nice kid that it's like, it, it's like funny to see when he's, when he's out there, and he's competing, <laughs> and he's got his game face on. And then he comes inside, he's like this smiley, really soft spoken. I don't know. It, it's, it, it's good. And that's an, another one. He's only 20 years old, speaks awesome English. So now like we can then communicate that way. And it's, it's not the same way uh, with, with every Latin player or, or especially a young guy. Um, but he, from a young age, wanted to learn English as, as fast as possible. So he's been great that way to be able to communicate with. It's awesome. That's yeah, good to hear. All right, man, we won't take up any more of your time. We appreciate it. Hit him straight, man. Yeah. Have fun. A lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Enjoy South Carolina. I will. Thanks, well, brother. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate it. Mike King. That was Mike King. He's the best. Root for him. Thanks for hanging out with us. We appreciate it. Jake? Go, go give him some love on the social medias. Go uh, tell him, hey, great interview. Liked hearing you pitch. Let's. We'll get you more famous than your sister. Maybe. I made the uh, Yankees have more famous than your sister, more famous than the music. Like that? That'd be rude. No. So go check it out. (laughs) Thank you. Bye. Go, Yankees. That might have dropped as soon as you hit, hit. me. <laughs> yeah.